Hello, welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today we're going to look at three books, all written by English authors. The first book we're going to look at is called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. We're then going to take a look at Clara and the Sun by Kazu Ishiguro, and we're going to conclude with Hamnet or Hamnet and Judith in some other countries, by Maggie O'Farrell. But before we get started, I want to first talk to you about a matchmaking service. And because this is a book review podcast, of course I'm talking about a book matchmaking service. And the service is called Page One. They're based out of Evanston, Illinois, and their tagline is, You Are Not an Algorithm. And I found out about this from my friend Crystal, who actually subscribes and has been really happy with it, so I wanted to um, mention it to you. And what happens is you fill out a questionnaire and uh, a team of people handpick books for you, and you get a book a month. You'll get a mix of hardcover and softcover books, and they will include new releases and older books. Um, They say that they're not bound by whatever is the latest book, although I'm sure that they include that. Um, But they really want to dive deep and find out your personal preferences. Uh, They don't ship, I'm sorry, they do ship internationally, but it's pretty expensive to do so. So this might be better suited to my American listeners. Um, But my friend Crystal actually lives in Canada and she does get it sent here. So you've probably seen the packaging is quite nice. They have, um, if if you are familiar with this, the books come um, wrapped in brown paper with a burgundy ribbon and then a little logo that says page one on the front. So I'm interested in that. I I know there's other uh, book matchmaking services out there. Reese Witherspoon's doing um, something right now. But I like this one because it sounds like it's more personalized and, and you might get some different picks. Okay, now to talk about the books. So the first book, I I decided to include this last minute, as a matter of fact, today. I just finished this book today, and I just it's just the perfect book. It put me in such a good mood, and I was quite unprepared by how good I thought the book was, so I want to share it with you. It's called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. It is a huge bestseller right now. And uh, a lot of people are reading it. And I think like a lot of people who enjoy reading, I, if something's really popular, sometimes I resist reading it or I, I delay reading it. And I shouldn't really do that because I usually end up loving the book, but not always. Um, but I did. I was a bit skeptical. Um, the front cover, it looks quite childlike. It shows, you know, there's stars on the cover and it says, One Library, Infinite Lives. And I'm sure it was going to be good, but I didn't realize how good it is. So um, my friend Allison, the reason why I decided to read it was my friend Allison read it, and she told me that it reminded her of A Wrinkle in Time um, and The Phantom Tollbooth, and that immediately I, I thought, this is something I've got to take a look at. I would also add that this reminds me a little bit of The Wizard of Oz and A Christmas Carol. And... This book is for people with short attention spans. That means all of us. <laughs> and uh, those of you that struggle to get through books, this book is for you. 
And this book, I think, is also for people that read a lot. I think I think this book has a lot to say. A book doesn't have to be complicated to um, make a big impact. And what this book is about is about a woman named Nora Seed who's in her mid-30s, and her life has been really disappointing um, so far. She lives in Bedford, England, which is 46 miles from London, and she's lost the will to live. So what happens is she ends up in a purgatory of sorts, and there she's met by her elementary school librarian, Mrs. Elm. And Mrs. Elm used to play chess with her. And there she is in this purgatory. And it's in between rounds of chess with this woman. She sees there's shelves and shelves of books. And there's also a book called The Book of Regrets. And she's allowed to look at this book of regrets and look at all the things that haven't worked out for her and then she can choose any book she wants and each book has an alternate life and she can choose to go there and live out the lives um, that a life she might have lived you know if she'd married somebody else if she'd taken that job if she'd moved to Australia and um, her the goal is she needs to find out the best way to live There's a time limit and there's some limitations to this process, but you'll have to dive into the book to find out. And um, this book falls into a category, it's a broad category called speculative fiction, which is, um, it's a broad term, but it basically means literary fiction with fantastical elements. So not necessarily um, hardcore science fiction or fantasy, although in some cases it can be, But um, this book is grounded like it seems like a real, like a here and now book, but there's obviously magic involved. And I've also been told that Carrie Mulligan narrates um, the audiobook, so I think that would be really um, compelling for those of you who enjoy audiobooks. Okay, so the next book we're going to talk about is Clara and the Sun by Kazu Ishiguro. And If a writer was a rock star, it would be this guy. He won the Man um, Booker Prize in 1989 for The Remains of the Day, which happens to be one of my favorite books of all time. And I know I'm not alone in that. Uh, In 2017, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work, and it's for his body of work. And just to top it off, in 2019, he became a knight. Um, So he's also a sir. And The Remains of the Day, um, that book is about a repressed butler named Stevens in post-war Britain. And he shows um, duty to the house that he runs, Darlington Hall, and the Lord he serves um, over everything else and at risk to everything else. Uh, He struggles with his feelings and... I've found this book very English and really beautiful. Like tiny glances and little looks show frustration. Um, he's also an unreliable narrator, which is always kind of interesting. And when I say unreliable narrator, this is one of um, Ishiguro's big themes. It doesn't mean like um, in Gone Girl, where the person's trying to trick you or the author's trying to trick you to take you on a ride. It means that. Um, Almost all of Ishiguro's books are written in the first-person narration, or if they may all be, I'm not sure. 
Um, and what that means is you're limited by that person's view of the world. So they're unreliable in that they, like we all, we don't necessarily completely understand our weaknesses and our strengths. And so you only know what this person can think and feel and tell you. Um, Ishiguro was born in Nagasaki, Japan, and then his family moved to England. He began his career as a songwriter, which I did not know. He loves Bob Dylan, and he says songwriting informs his writing. And um, I recently dropped in on a virtual event held by the independent bookstore Monroe Books in Victoria, B.C., where he was interviewed by um, a young poet and short story writer, Suvakam Tamavangasa, uh, and she's written a big bestseller here in Canada called How to Pronounce Knife. It's a short story, and a book collection of short stories. So uh, she interviewed him, which was kind of fun, um, for this um, meeting, and it was to promote um, his new book, Claire and the Sun. So anyway, this was where he spoke about how he uh, started as a songwriter, and why that's important, as he says, in songwriting, the most important thing is the ending. So he really cares a lot about the ending because that's what he, that's what you remember. And I think he wants to haunt you with his ending and keep you thinking about it. And that certainly happened for me in um, Remains of the Day. The other thing um, in this talk with Monroe Books, I learned that he is a fan of the visual arts. He loves Cubist painting. He likes the painter Grant Hill. And he loves um, American realist painter Edward Hopper. And then when I, now that I've told you that, when you look at the cover of the book, you'll see that influence. Um, there's a picture. It's a red cover with a bit of a gray square and a little sliver of a bright yellow sun, like an egg yolk poking through. Um, but keep that in mind when you read this book, because if I didn't know that, there's a really neat scene uh, very late in the book. And... I, it, he doesn't say it, but now that I, I now that I know his interest in visual arts, it's um, he's taken the American um, painting Night Hawks, uh, which I believe hangs in the Institute Chicago Art Institute, and it was done. It was painted by Edward Hopper, and all of you know this book, it, uh, this painting. It's um, mid-century. Uh, painter painting and it's done of an American diner at night and the diner is triangle, triangular shaped and people are sitting at the diner and then there's the waiter or waitress there and everyone seems kind of lonely and stilted and yet and there's no um, coverings on the windows so I, I think now that I've said that you'll you'll recognize it and um, a scene in the book takes place involving this diner so what this, oh, one more thing I wanted to say about Ishiguro. So um, the other thing, he is so popular. Um, a couple of things about him. He says that he um, sometimes gets a little bit paralyzed because he has um, people, fans all over the world in different countries. So he thinks a lot how about what he's going to say is translated. And he gave an example um, in, he actually didn't know this till after he published the book, but um, the son in the book is a masculine character, and in German, the son is a feminine character. And so that kind of threw him for a loop at first. Um, and he thought about that and if he should change something. He ended up not changing something, but he he wanted he 
that kind of threw him. Um, and then the other thing, which I thought was really clever, at the beginning of the interview with this young author, she was acting kind of strange. Like, it took her a little while to warm up, and then she really did a great interview with him. And part of that is because he's just so warm and engaged her. But what he did say is she said, have you ever had trouble, I think something about during an interview or how people perceive you? And he said, no, but he has had a number of times where he's interviewed, been interviewed by someone and the person is just so starstruck and stunned. And he said this in a very humble way, but he said basically sometimes I'm on stage in front of a big audience and the person asking me the questions can't speak. And so he's like, it's a terrible situation. I have to take over and um, help them out. So I thought that was kind of, that was kind of funny. Okay. So the book itself, uh, what this book is about, it's about a robot named Clara, who is an artificial friend or AF. And um, this is written in the, you don't know when, but it would be the the future for sure. It's full on sci-fi. Um, and this is, um, these friends are designed to be child companions. So at the beginning of the book, uh, Clara is in a store looking to get picked out by a family. And um, there's a time where she gets to go into the front window. And that's where you really want to be because you're going to get noticed. And a girl comes to her and says, oh, I want you. I, I really want my mom to, to buy you for me. And the store manager um, pulls Clara aside and says, don't invest too much in what humans think. Um, she does end up getting uh, purchased by this family, and the family consists of Josie, Josie's mother, a housekeeper, and then another character that plays a role is Rick, who's a neighbor. And um, it is an Ishiguro novel, so there's a lot of uh, plot twists, and so I won't say much more. If you um, like the book Never Let Me Go, it has shades of that book. Um, but what I will say is uh, Clara needs the sun for sustenance, and the sun in this book uh, serves as a type of God. She reveres um, the sun and intuits what the sun wants from her, although the sun doesn't actually have a real, like you don't hear the voice, She, but she seems to understand what the sun wants. Um, this book is about pattern, it's about technology, and about like all his books, it's about memory. Um, there's more going on than meets the eye. It's about quiet oppressiveness. Um, I will say, whenever there's books with robots, I find robots creepy. Um, but in this, Clara is a naive character, as in many of his books. And I feared for her, and I was um, fearful of the humans. I was never afraid of her. I think this book is amazing, um, but I will say that sci-fi is not my first choice. So I, I found I was uncomfortable in many parts of the book, and I, found, I think that's what sci-fi is designed to do. The main thing I did not like about this book is how things are revealed piece by piece. To other people, this will be a selling point. You learn um, the truth and what's going on bit by bit as Ishiguro wants to reveal it to you. So the last book um, I'm going to mention is uh, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. In Canada, it's known as Hamnet and Judith. And I love this book. This book ticked all the boxes for me. It's by Irish-English novelist Maggie O'Farrell. This is her eighth book. 
And what it is, it's a take on the death of Shakespeare's son, Hamnet, from the bubonic plague. And it plays out the influence that his death um, had on the writing of Hamlet, which was written, um, Hamnet died in 1596, and Hamlet was written in 1600. And most scholars agree that um, Hamlet was really based um, largely on Norse legend and other folk tales. But there are other scholars that believe that Hamnet's death was a, a big influence. And that's the um, track that this uh, novel takes. And what this, um, what I will say about, um, oh, this book is that the author herself has been very touched by illness. She wrote a memoir in 2017 called I Am, I Am, I Am, which is a reference um, to The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. And it's about the many brushes of death that Maggie O'Farrell has had. And she has, in real life, uh, one of her children has chronic illnesses, like crazy illnesses, like can barely leave the house type illnesses, and has had a number of um, severe allergic reactions and near-death experiences. So she, as she says in her own words, lives in a state of high alert. Um, Also as a child um, herself, Maggie O'Farrell contracted encephalitis and was hospitalized for months. And so I believe that I must have played some role in understanding um, the characters in this book. But what this, um, a little bit more about the book, it starts out um, with uh, Will Shakespeare is a Latin tutor, and he kind of doesn't seem like a great one. He seems pretty lazy. His dad is not nice. Um, His dad is a glove maker, and they live in Stratford. And he seems kind of aimless, um, Shakespeare, and he ends up tutoring um, at a house, at a farmer's house, and he falls in love with an older woman, like several, a number of years older, like in real life. I want to say five years, six years um, older, and she is a witch, and she also has her own falcon, and her mom was also a witch, and so he falls in love with her. And they end up getting married and moving into his family home in Stratford. And what this book is about is, what I really liked about it, is it um, depicts in detail 16th century domestic life, from you know the sweeping of the floor, to making dinner, to feeding the chickens, to dealing with everybody knowing your business, living with your in-laws constantly, can you imagine? Um, and... Then it talks about the illness, um, the bubonic plague. And there's two children, which are Hamnet and Judith. And they, um, what happens is Judith first gets the bubonic plague, and all the focus is put on her. But the family doesn't realize that it's Hamnet they need to think about. And um, concurrent to this whole thing, Shakespeare has gone off to London um, to become a playwright. And... And really, throughout this novel, not a lot of credence or emphasis is put on the fact that he's going to be a playwright. It's kind of like, yeah, he's going to go off and 
uh, try and be a writer or an actor, and it, it's just sort of secondary, which is interesting because obviously we know what happens. Um, and what I really liked about this book, I liked that I love the historical fiction aspect and also the writing. Um, there's a favorite, my favorite part of the book, and this happens actually a few times, is where she, the author, describes how the bubonic plague came to infect um, Judith and Hamnet. And she talks about um, how there's a Venetian glass merchant, and with the flea that fell off the Venetian glass mer- merchant's back, and then it falls onto the back of a monkey in Alexandria, Egypt, and it's on a ship, and it travels. And it reminded me very much of a bird building a nest. And there's within a few paragraphs, she can create these sweeping connections through beautiful writing, and it's like something in motion. And she does that a few different ways, um, times, and she's just an exquisite writer. So um, I highly recommend that book. And that is what I have to say today. And, um, you know, it's interesting, when I, when I came up with wanting to talk about these books, I do like to have themes, and I, I couldn't come up with a theme for them all. I just read them and liked them. But just as I was um, setting up my my microphone, I realized, oh, look, they're all written by English authors. So um, thank you so much for joining me, and I will be back um, very soon, and I'm going to be talking um, next time. I think my next one is with my friend Cynthia Friesen, and we're going to be talking about music. She's a music musician and music teacher, and um, we're going to be talking about uh, a novel, of course, set during World War II, because that seems to be the theme of um, many books um, that we're looking at. And we're going to little bit, learn a little bit more about music and memory. And thank you so much. And we'll talk